ABC family. Welcome to Church Online. Hope you're enjoying this wonderful hot July weather like I am. Remember, there are three ways to follow us on Facebook. Number one is at Evangel Pentecostal Church. That's great for general information. Number two for kids is to look for our Children's Ministry Facebook page, EPC Kids Ministry. And for the youth, go check out our youth ministry page, EPC Student Ministry. And what's really exciting is the church now has its very own Instagram page and you can find that by looking up EPC Oakville on Instagram. Have a great day. Bye. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a special announcement for those of you who hold membership at EPC. The EPC General Operating Bylaw Number 1, Article 10, requires that EPC hold an annual business meeting no later than March 31st of each year. On March 24, 2020, the Admin Council approved a motion postponing the annual business meeting to a future date because of COVID-19. Recently, as you are aware, the Ontario government permitted church attendance of up to 30% capacity. In light of this announcement, we are now expected to hold our annual business meeting as soon as possible. The Admin Council has approved a motion to hold the annual business meeting on Thursday, July 23rd at 7.30 p.m. in the sanctuary of the church. All safety precautions will be taken at the meeting and the expected attendance will be far lower than the 30% threshold. We will be sending out the EPC annual report for your review prior to the annual business meeting. Paper ballots for the Admin Council elections will be handed out at the meeting. We will also be sending you an invitation asking you to pre-register for the meeting. If you do not use email, we will call you closer to the time to register you for the annual business meeting. Thank you. Good morning, Evangel. We are pleased to be able to worship and to praise together with you. We invite you to join us as we praise and worship our Father. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope and without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt
stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs. about you but one of the hardest parts of this pandemic has not being able to gather around the table with family and friends the way that we used to here at the Potter house we love to have people gather around and enjoy a meal together and it's been tough not being able to do that and I'm sure you're feeling it too there's just something about gathering around a table with people who love us just as we are to share a meal together that's good for our soul those who love us and invite us to share their table, they really only want us, nothing more. We can come just as we are. I guess this is why I love the picture of the last time that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, gathered around a table to share a meal with those closest to him. Because in the very picture of who we see gathered around that table, we get a very tangible expression of his come as you are invitation. And now I know we look back at those gathered uh, then through the lens of who they eventually become. But on that night, they were far from who they would become. We see a tax collector, a very impetuous and gruff fisherman, a man full of doubt. We see a pair of prideful brothers. We see a betrayer, not there by accident, but at the express invitation of Jesus. Those who really should not have had a place at his table, but for grace. So let's think about this, come as you are. You know, today, despite of who you are and what you've done, you probably find yourself drawn by this irresistible invitation of grace. And today, as we join in this remembrance of Jesus' great sacrifice on the cross, let's see it through the lens of his invitation to gather today as being the same, come as you are. Come not because of who you are or who you once were, who you hope to be, or even who others think that you are. Come not because you're strong, but because you recognize your weakness. Come not because you're perfect, but because you know that you're broken. 
Come not with all of the answers, but even still full of doubt. Come knowing that the only thing you really know for sure is that in this life you were drawn to this irresistible table of grace. Come, gather at the table of the Lord. Come and remember. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's share the bread together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the drink together. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your invitation to come gather at this table. Thank you that your grace allows us to come exactly the way that we are. Thank you that despite our fears, our doubts, our weaknesses, all the things that we see and we know that only you know, thank you that you invite us to come because of your grace, because of your great love for us, God. We draw near. We want to gather at this table. We thank you, Lord, for the invitation, God, and we pray that you would help us. We pray that you would forgive us, Lord, and that you would help us to always remember, and to not just remember your grace for us, but to extend that grace to others. Thank you, Jesus. We give our, this day to you. We give our lives, our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The scripture for this morning is taken from 2 Kings, chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, 
for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. May the Lord bless his word to our heart. Good morning, EPC Church family. I hope you're all doing well, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak to you all this morning. As you learned, we are going to be diving into 2 Kings chapter 2. And in this chapter, we are given a glimpse into the mighty power of God at work through the life of a man named Elijah. See, Elijah himself lived an extraordinary life as a prophet, as a communicator of God's word. Elijah knew that God spoke through him and that the Spirit of God went with him where he went. See, this was a man who prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years, and it didn't rain. And then when he prayed, asking for the rain to come back, it rained again. This was a man who called down fire from heaven, right? Elijah's life is, is one that demonstrates the power of God working through his people. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah first encounters Elisha and takes him under his wing as his apprentice. And where we catch up with him this morning in our passage today, Elijah is reaching the end of his journey here on earth. One of the things Esther and I loved to do before this pandemic started was to just go see a movie on our downtime, you know, whether it was the newest Marvel movie or the newest Star Wars movie, or just a random movie that caught our eye that we thought would be good. We just loved to go see movies. And especially with those big franchises like Marvel and like Star Wars, there's so much secrecy building up to the release of the movie, and, and there, you very much run the risk of being spoiled of something that happens in the movie beforehand. And, and one of the worst things is, is when you're waiting in line to see the movie and, and the crowd that just saw the movie you're about to see comes out and someone says something loudly uh, about what happens in the movie and it just spoils the experience for you. 
It's the worst feeling in the world because you know something's going to happen to a character or, or something you, you might not enjoy is going to happen in that movie and you just are, are anticipating it throughout your, your experience viewing it. And, and in our scripture today, the moment for Elijah to be taken up into heaven was almost here. And the significant event was no secret to Elisha. In fact, it was spoiled to him uh, long in, adv in advance of it happening. Uh, and we can see in our passage this morning, it was, it was repeated multiple times to him that this was going to happen. Elisha had knowledge of what was about to take place in the life of the man that he had chosen to follow and learn from. And because of the knowledge Elisha had on what was going to happen to his master, and because of the passion that he had for God, we can learn much from the decisions Elisha made in this important transitional moment. Our first point this morning is tenacity to pursue. In these verses, Elijah, accompanied by Elisha, starts out at Gilgal, travels to Bethel, then to Jericho, and finally back to the Jordan River, where they will cross to the other side. Each time Elijah sets out, he gives Elisha orders to stay behind. Don't follow me. Don't come with me. And each time Elisha refuses to stay behind and leave his master alone. Our scripture doesn't specify why Elijah asked Elisha to stay behind each time. So we could only assume it was for a few reasons. The first, it could have been out of humility. Elijah may not have wanted Elisha, or anyone else for that matter, to see what was about to happen to him. The second reason is that it could have been a test for Elisha. Maybe God was using Elijah's humility and reluctance to test the depth of Elisha's dedication and commitment. Whatever the reason for Elijah's repeated attempts to keep Elisha back, it didn't work. Because Elisha was truly committed to his teacher, and more importantly, committed to God. Significantly, after each stop, Elisha is told by a group of prophets about what will be taking place in Elijah's life. Each time, too, Elisha responds with, Of course I know, but be quiet about it. Stop talking about it. The custom at the time was it was rude to talk about someone's death in front of them before it actually happened. Also, I can imagine Elisha was just simply tired of hearing it. Someone he loved and looked up to was about to leave him, and the constant chattering of the prophets probably didn't help him navigate the emotions that he was going through at the time. Through it all, however, in dealing with both Elijah and the prophets, Elisha was demonstrating something I like to call bulldog tenacity. See, when it comes to bulldogs, they were bred to actually fight bulls, hence the name, right? Uh, but just the way their heads were shaped allowed them to uh, bite the bull and never have to let go for any reason whatsoever. In fact, as the, as, as the bulldog was biting down, it would still be able to breathe, so it would never have to let go. It could stay on for as long as it wanted to or needed to. Elisha, in this case, demonstrated bulldog tenacity. He wasn't going around biting Elijah or the prophets that followed, but he had a dedication for his role and a passion for God that allowed him to refuse uh, to give up when Elijah asked him and to keep following his master to the very end. He voices his commitment in verse 4, which reads, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. See, Elisha had the foreknowledge of what was going to happen to Elisha. And because of this, Elisha was never going to leave Elijah's side, no matter how many times he was asked to. It was his faithfulness to God and his passion to see God's glory that kept Elisha by Elijah's side until the very end. 
Elisha had every opportunity to not follow Elijah uh, the rest of the journey and give up knowing what was about to happen to his mentor and friend. In fact, as we discussed, maybe Elijah would have preferred it this way. But Elisha's strength of character led to a tenacity to continue to follow his master's footsteps until the very end of his journey. As followers of Christ, it's so, so important to demonstrate this kind of tenacity ourselves in our own faith journeys. It's a persistence that continues to drive us to chase after the glory of God and further experiences in his presence. Furthermore, someone who demonstrates a tenacity to continue following the path God has put them on is someone who exemplifies a devotion to the calling God has placed on their life. As a prophet, Elisha undoubtedly knew that Elijah would be taken. He understood that, there be, that being there with his master at that time was vital to his calling and the fulfillment of the work that God had called him to do. He was determined by God's grace that nothing was going to keep him from being a person who is tenacious in their t- determination to keep on going. Our second point this morning is humility to ask. Humility to ask. See, Elijah and Elisha have reached the Jordan River at this point in our passage. And a group of prophets stopped and watched them from a distance instead of once again running up to Elisha and telling him what he already knew. As they watched, Elijah folded his cloak, struck the water with it, and the water parted, allowing them to cross on dry ground. When they got to the other side, that's when Elijah asked Elisha arguably the most important question Elisha would ever be asked. See, there's always these questions that we find ourselves needing to ask that just terrify us because we know what we want the response to be, but we're not too sure what the response could be, right? One of the most important questions in my life was when I asked Esther to marry me. But before I could do that, I had to ask for her dad's blessing. And Esther's dad, like truth be told, is one of the kindest, most coolest people I know. And I had built a good relationship with him up until uh, that point. But that doesn't mean I wasn't afraid to ask or nervous about what the possible outcome of me asking him could be. So when the time came and I had the opportunity to ask, I just had to trust that as nervous as I was about what he could say in response, it would all work out in the end. So I stumbled over my words. I probably made a bigger fool of myself than I intended, but it all worked out in the end. I got his blessing and the rest was history. The opportunity uh, in our passage this morning was made available for Elisha to ask for something from Elijah before Elijah was taken up into heaven. And it was in this moment that we can see the character of Elisha subtly shine through in what he actually asked for. See, this was an open invitation for Elisha to ask for anything he wanted. Anything at all. It was like the invitation God gave to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. And the invitation Jesus gave to all who seek him in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. This great invitation was given after Elisha had demonstrated his loyalty and commitment by refusing to leave his mentor. That dedicated, seeking God's best attitude of Elisha was recognized. Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Elisha asked for a big thing. A double portion of the mighty spirit of Elijah. See, Elisha saw how greatly the Spirit of God worked through Elijah, and he wanted that very same for himself. He wanted it for himself, but it's important to note that it wasn't about himself. 
it's very easy to misinterpret this as, as a very selfish request from Elisha. But Elisha wanted to be able to move in the giftings and the power that Elijah did so that the glory of God could be made known through Elisha's calling. Elisha didn't ask for his own glory, but to glorify God. His asking this question demonstrates a humbleness to him, removing himself and his desires and putting his passion for God and God's purpose for him first. Elisha could have asked for anything at all. He could very well have asked for something selfishly, but instead he humbly asked for more of the same spirit of God in his life that Elijah had. The idea of the double portion was not necessarily to ask for twice as much as Elijah had, but rather to ask for the portion that went to the firstborn son. It references Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 17, which says, he must recognize the rights of his oldest son, the son of the wife he does not love, by giving him a double portion. See, Elisha asked for the right to be regarded as the successor of Elijah, as his firstborn son in regards to ministry. And just like the invitation God gave to Solomon, this request offers Elisha no worldly position since typically the inheritance of the, to the firstborn son would be land, for instance. This request was for the spiritual power to fulfill the calling that was already placed on his life, demonstrated in 1 Kings chapter 19 when God brought Elijah to initially choose Elisha as his apprentice and his successor. Elisha understood that God loved his people and knew that he was about to inherit the ministry that Elijah led. Elisha was bold to ask for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Maybe since he knew that Elijah was leaving him, he humbled himself and looked within, and he reasoned that it would take a double portion of what Elijah had for him to be able to continue doing what Elijah did. Elijah replied to his servant, Elisha, you have asked for a difficult thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. We don't read about Elisha pleading with his master. He simply made a humble request when Elijah asked. Through everything Elisha has experienced with Elijah, he had come to trust that the God he served would accomplish his will through the people that he is called. And Elisha desired to have the Spirit of God work through him as he witnessed it through the life of Elijah. In the same way, we can be emboldened to go confidently to God and trust that the Lord will accomplish his will for our lives as well. We don't need to worry about going to him to ask for more of him in our lives, more of his presence, more of his peace, more of his joy, more of his power. Like Elisha, we can be encouraged as followers of Christ that God desires us to draw closer to him. And in doing so, we can ask for an increase and an overflow of him in our lives. Verse 11 of our passage this morning drops us suddenly into the middle of the action uh, when a chariot of fire appeared and it separated Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah was carried by whirlwind into heaven. Verse 12 starts off with Elisha seeing what took place, reminding us of the circumstances Elijah gave to Elisha in order for him to receive the double portion. Elisha had been faithful, not just to ask for the double portion, but to also stay with Elijah and to faithfully watch for the moment that would take Elisha away into heaven. Our third point this morning is boldness to continue. Boldness to continue. After seeing his master being taken up into heaven, we see Elisha in verse 13. 
his very next actions are to pick up Elijah's cloak. See, the significance of this can be seen clearly if we take a look at the wording of verse 13 in the New King James Version, which reads, He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. The wording used here, mantle, signifies the responsibility that Elijah had, the calling on his life to be a prophet. For Elisha to pick up the cloak, this meant physically responding to God's call on his life. Picking it up meant boldly continuing on and taking Elijah's place. Since the mantle was, was the special mark of, of a prophet, this was a demonstration of the truth that Elisha truly had inherited the ministry of Elijah. Another word I want to focus on in, in this verse is the word also. See, though he had experienced pain at the loss of his good friend and his teacher, this did not neutralize him or make him bitter or feel that all was hopeless. Rather, Elisha saw this as a call to move forward and carry on the work that Elijah had been engaged in, the work that Elisha had now been called to fulfill. It's moments in the Bible like these that I really stop and try to put myself in the shoes of the person we are reading about. Uh, to think of what it was like for Elisha to pick up that mantle in that moment. The mantle didn't fall from heaven and rest on his shoulders. He had to make the choice to pick it up and put it on after what he had just witnessed. He had to decide, do I really put this on? And you may be asking, well, why wouldn't he want to have wanted to put it on? He asked for this after all. And the thing I'm drawn to is how Elijah's ministry was one of great power, but also one of great pressure, great danger, and responsibility. Elijah's life wasn't smooth sailing, but Elisha knew this, and now it was time for him to pick up that mantle himself. He knew it wouldn't be an easy mantle to carry, but it was one he wouldn't be doing alone. Verse 14 sees Elisha strike the water that both him and Elijah initially crossed with Elijah's cloak. And as he did so, he asked an interesting question. Elisha asked, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? See, Elisha in this moment isn't asking where God is, as if he's hiding from Elisha, or if Elisha is, is angry at God and prompting him to show himself. He knew that the power for his calling did not come from the mantle itself, but it was found in the presence of God. If the God of Elijah was also with Elisha, then he would inherit the same power. This question Elisha was asking was not out of anger or confusion, but it was one of boldness. If God expected Elisha to continue on with the ministry of Elijah, then he must be present for the junior prophet in the exact same ways that he was present for the senior prophet. In many ways, Elisha could have just as well been asking, where is the God who mightily answered prayer from Elijah? Where is the God who raised the dead from Elijah? Where is the God who carried Elijah away into heaven? As he strikes the water, we see it part for Elisha, just as it did for Elijah earlier on, proving that Elisha immediately had the same power in ministry that Elijah had. He went back over a divided Jordan River, boldly empowered by God for the work that lay ahead of him. He had received the double portion that he had asked for, and he was ready to continue in the work that God began through Elijah. The steps that Elisha took in his final journey with his teacher is just a short glimpse of the life of someone who is driven by their faith and their passion to see more of God. 
through this story, we are able to take our three main points from Elisha's response and his character, and that we can be inspired by in our own faith and our own calling. The first is that we can have tenacity in our pursuit of God. To have tenacity means to have persistence or perseverance, even in the face of overwhelming odds, difficult challenges, and painful moments. Elisha's faith inspired him to not give up on Elijah, even when he was asked to stay behind and reminded by the prophets following him of what was going to happen that day to Elijah. See, we will go through moments that test our perseverance. No doubt about that. Even in the time we live in right now with this pandemic, it can sometimes feel like a test of our faith. But just like in our passage this morning, we can be encouraged that no matter what may try to deter us, from our pursuit of God, our Heavenly Father is on our side and has a plan for your life. We can trust Him in all situations and in all circumstances. Secondly, we can be encouraged to ask God for more of Him in our lives, an increase of joy, of faith, of courage, and of wisdom. And when we go to Him for that, we can be confident in the fact that God will give us more. Elisha asked, for more of what Elijah had. And it was given to him so that he may continue to glorify God through incredible and miraculous works. In fact, Elisha performed exactly double the amount of miracles Elijah did, a literal fulfillment of the request for a double portion. Church, I encourage you to not simply settle with just enough. Let's go to God for an increase in our lives so that we may go out and bless our homes, our workplaces, and our communities with the love of God so that we can be a light to the people who need to know how much God loves them. He is our inheritance, and we can trust in him. And our third and final point this morning is just like Elisha, we can boldly step out knowing that the God who is with the previous generations is also with us every step of the way. He will not abandon or forget us. Our Heavenly Father has made a way for each and every single one of us, and we can trust that he will always remain by our side. The same God that was with Elijah and called Elijah will perfect us and guide us.
just forgive part of our sin, but the whole of our sin, the sin I have not even committed yet, is under the power of the cross. I thank you from deepest part of my heart that Christ, you were obedient to the plan of Father God and that you bought us, you saved us, and you love us, and we can say it as well with our soul. So that's it for our service today. If there's anything we can do to help you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Call us, email us. In the meantime, have a wonderful rest of your weekend and a beautiful week to come. May God bless you.